not bitter, just better. The all-new Everton podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast. Mr Johnny Seven here, as always, with Mark Mack. Yeah, I'm here again. I think, do we need to get a new way of starting these things? Because it's always the same, isn't it? I know, well I was just thinking that. Should we just do recording and we can just sit back and have a play and then come in afterwards? There's only so many ways you can say hello though, really, isn't it? Yeah, bit well, hello, anyway. Um, I did try that that way that week when I said back once again like a renegade master and you gave me a load of stick for it so I never tried anything like that again yeah just stick to the script okay um, it's funny starting off today because we just started off with our little theme basically because nothing happened in the game on Saturday so we couldn't find a good enough clip yeah we look for a clip as we usually do to play in before the theme music and um, yeah it was the dullest of dull dull games ever so um, there were a few events but not nothing I mean the goalkeeper lying on the deck for eight minutes isn't really a good intro, is it, to a, game, to a podcast? We should have just played Jelovic's goal from last year. That oh, would have yeah, been right. And then the, the Gladys going mental, but... That would have got the spirits up as well. I know. Jelovic scoring. Um, but we're going to go straight to the game, and we're going to start off a little bit differently today, and we're going to have an Everton Legends view on the game um, from Saturday, right after... Yeah, after the game on Saturday, uh, the players' lounge, you were in the company of uh, ex-Everton player Duncan McKenzie, um, and he obviously gave his views on what he thought, uh, you know, the performance was like, uh, and we're going to play that for you now. Yeah, we'll play Duncan's views first, and then we'll play ours after, so... Obviously, Save the best views for last, yeah, obviously. Ob- obviously, we, we know a lot more. No, no, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Duncan McKenzie. I just think you have days like this, we've all had days like this. Any old pro can come up here and slag off people that have played badly. I mean, what easy targets that is. You know, I mean, I've been there, done it, we've been in games that have been garbage as well. And uh, when you come out the other end and you've got something, it's, it's a real result. In the second half, I thought we were marginally the better team. We were yeah. certainly 100% better to what we were in the first half. But you know, when you start to, even your great players, we're giving the ball away. Yeah. You know, and that, that's when you know you're, oh my God, you know, you're thinking, where, where's something, where's a bit of relief going to come from here? And I think we are all a little bit relieved later on in the, in the first half when we eventually got a little bit of pressure on them and got into the last third of the field. Um, we almost pinched it with a fabulous cross that came to Lukaku um, that he actually missed, I thought, I think it should have been a corner when he saw the replay on the television. But you can't really look at football like that. You've got to look at the big picture. They had two or three chances that were equally as good, if not better, uh, and didn't take them. It, it, it's a great Tottenham team, by the way. The Tongan is one superb class act. And I, I really hope that this, uh, all these Belgians get together and do a, a fantastic job in the World Cup in Brazil, because I think they could be something really, really special if they click, and particularly if the senior players like company stays fit. And, he, and he's able to, to, to lead that. I mean, you've seen what we've got with Morales and, and Lukaku. Lukaku, OK, they didn't have the best games today, but you know what they're capable of doing and how well they've done for them. So I won't knock anybody in that today. I'll just say at the end of the day, um, it was one one penalty shout each and uh, nil-nil, and that'll do me. We've, we've got a point. Last three home games, last two and a half home games, we've been a little bit poor. 
And uh, I think we got away with it against so we're a bit lucky. Derek Ferry could have been sent off. Yeah. Yeah. Second half against Newcastle, we weren't bad. I didn't think. I just thought Newcastle were brilliant. They they are they blow up and cold the Newcastle. So overall, we're into the game, aren't we? We got more points than we had this time last yeah. season. We played a couple of great teams, you know. And I think to myself, wow. You know, we don't often get out at Villa Park, do we? Yeah. You know, you look at some of the some of the things that we've had, and we think that that's fantastic. I'm so positive about what we've got. We've got fantastic. I was a bit upset when I saw Darren Gibson today. I mean, he looked in a terrible mess. The ball. Oh, yeah. can hardly, hardly move on his crutches, and he reckon it's at least the season that he's going to be out. So that was obviously the thought of uh, Duncan McKenzie, who I think it's fairly safe to say is probably the greatest Everton player called Duncan ever. Is he? Uh, hang on a minute. <laughs> Sorry, the greatest Everton player called McKenzie ever. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have that one, won't we? Yeah, we'll have that. Um, and he's just stole our thunder a bit there, because he's just basically talked about everything that we usually talk about. Well, I thought he sat on the fence a lot. Obviously, being associated with the club still as an amb- in an ambassador kind of role, and he's on the radio every now and again. He can't come out and slate players, but we can. <laughs> Sorry, you're just dropping a ruler. Um, yeah, we don't bow down to the man, do we? Well, if he was stood in front of us, probably. Yeah, if they were giving us free tickets or paying us a wage, we probably would. So if uh, the BBC or Sky want to get in touch, uh, you can email us on Facebook and we'll come and bow down to you and take a job on Sky Sports News, if it's going. Yeah, Um First off, just before we go on to the match, what he said there about Gibbo was a little bit sad, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, obviously, you know, we, the lads had a terrible time this season, and uh, yeah, no, it, it did. Uh, bit of a lump to the throat there where he said he's in a bad way, so I just hope he gets well soon. Yeah, so yeah, we could be looking uh, this time next year when he might just be coming back, he's only have a full year out. If he comes back. Well, I think he as, as I said before on the podcast, he's still young and he's, he's a strong lad, so... Hopefully, fingers crossed. And that thought is about as depressing as the actual game was, wasn't it? On yeah, Sunday, it was. It was uh, Put me off my roast dinner. It did. Yeah, as you said, it would have been nice to have had that game under lights, and you know maybe the atmosphere would have been a little bit better. Uh, maybe there would have been a little bit more urgency, a little bit more excitement, but there wasn't anything like that, was there? Really. No, I mean, uh, you know, obviously going back and looking over the game, I think it was probably our worst performance this season. Uh, that first half performance is, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely our worst performance for a long time. I can't really recall at any time in the first half where we strung more than two passes together. No, and as uh, as Duncan McKenzie said in his little bit then, uh, even the, our better players were giving the ball away. So, you know, the, the, the stronger players were, weren't playing well. And what we what you'd call the weaker ones, we're having a mare. Yeah, I mean Lukaku was quiet. Uh, Morales was, I thought, was had a particularly poor game. He just wasn't involved. Was struggled he? to get into the game. Um, Pinar was awful. Pinar tried a lot of things, but failed miserably. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. The problem with Pinar was he, he was sort of he couldn't pass a ball two yards, but yet he was still trying all these outrageous flicks and. Little no look round the corner balls, which were just embarrassing. Yeah, that's when you're not on your game. I think it's important to just do the bread and butter stuff. Well, just do the simple, get the simple, simple things working, and then build on that. Yeah. So and, and you know he, he's trying to be incisive. He's trying to make space, but 
just keep the ball. You know, we couldn't afford afford to lose the ball there. The, the amount of times that we did, and we were very nearly punished. I think Duncan McKenzie in his, in his little talk then referred to the game as garbage, and yeah. and that is a good is a good word for it, really. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it was two good sides cancelling each other out, really, wasn't it? it well, well, it was two good sides playing not particularly well, cancelling each other out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you know, again, I thought we were very, you know, very lucky to be going in at nil nil in the first half after that performance. I'm not saying you know Tottenham had a multitude of chances because they didn't really, um, but to play that poorly and to go in for a point uh, at half time, you know, I, I was more than happy with that, and I would have took the point all day. Yeah, uh, you know, once the half time break come around. Uh, just going back to something else Duncan McKenzie alluded to there. Uh, you mentioned Jan Vertonghen. You know, I thought in the first half in particular was easily the best player on the pitch. It's, it's funny because uh, one of the new lads who was sat by us, you, they used to be a season ticket holder, and, and they were said, said about Vertonghen. Um, and, oh, he's rubbish him. He's a centre-back playing left-back. You couldn't tell, could you? No, you couldn't. He, he, he just seemed to have a free rain along the, the, the left-hand side of the pitch, didn't he? You know, he was... He's probably their best player going forward, as well as being, you know, a great player at the back as well. They seem to double up on both sides, and that's what we do to other teams. So they had Lennon and Walker on the right hand side, or Lennon and Townsend on the right hand side, and sorry, they had Lennon, Lennon and Carl Walker on the right hand yes. side, and Townsend and Vertonghen. Yeah, yeah. So basically, they did an Everton. No, I tell a lie. That's, this is getting highly confusing now. It's it's all the top, all Tottenham's multitude of midfielders that confuse me. <laughs> Lennon started on the left because he was Coleman. He kept on dropping off yes, the back of Coleman. Right. Lennon started on the left uh, with Fatongan, and Townsend was on the right with Carl Walker. So basically, Morales, that's not part of his game, is it? Tracking back. So Coleman was kind of double teamed. Um, Morales was switching a little bit with we don't know who because nobody seemed to be dropping into the right. in the first half, Lukaku seemed to be out on the right, which was a bit strange. Well, I thought that when we were attacking, that's what seemed to happen. There was a lot of switching when we were attacking, but when we were in the defensive, um, you know, if you're playing a four-five-one, that can sometimes switch to a four-four-two, or you know, the winger and the forward can switch around. Uh, that didn't seem to happen when we were defensive. Um, nobody seemed to drop into that right mid field position to uh, offer uh, cover for Seamus and you could tell because it was like you know they kept bombing down and well I think it was not quite as bad on, on the other side where Baines was double teamed a little bit but you know they're, they're two good players in really good form as, as well aren't they Townsend and Walker um, but for all the you know how poor we played uh, they had a long ranger from Sandro which Howard did, did well to turn around the post and a, a bit of a free header which Soldado glanced wide. I think Tottenham probably showed us a lot of respect in the way they set out at the beginning because they played both um, Paulinho and Sandro, uh, which are two of their more defensive-minded midfielders. Uh, and the likes of Eriksen, who was my one to watch, uh, and you got to watch him for about six minutes at the end of the game. Uh, and uh, Sigurdsson, who's been playing recently, both started on the bench. Even Hopi, I mean, he, you know, he is an attacking player, but he is more of a sort of a, a box-to-boxy type player. He will sort of put his foot in and get stuck in. So they really did pack the midfielder with, with sort of people stoppers more than well more than creative players. I would have said. I've got a question for you. Do you think that was tactical, or do you think out of those twenty midfielders, 
it was just he just picked names out of the hat and they were the ones who happened to make it. He possibly <laughs> does have a, a midfield raffle every week, uh, and, and you pay your pound to see if you want to play, and then you get thrown out of hat. Now I, I think he, he probably showed Everton a bit too much. I'm not saying he showed us too much respect because obviously we're a great side at home, but at the end of the day, you know the way we performed. I think if he'd have probably had a bit more attacking power on the pitch that first half, he probably would have gone in. One or two goals. Yeah, so if they'd have had an extra midfield, uh, a midfielder up top, you know, in support of Soldado, uh, we would have really struggled because you know they had the full full back bombing on, they had the wingers bombing on. If they'd have had a, a you know a, a more attacking minded midfielder, I somebody think just to open the door on, on Jackson and and Distan, yeah, yeah. And um, what we, we we had one attempt. Did we call it that? You know, it was a bit of a thirty yarder from Osman, which. Whistled over. Yeah, we did. Yeah, um, and we went. Obviously, went in nil nil at half time. Um, we were hoping that was what we refer to, and we've come to uh, refer to at Goodison as a, a bad half <laughs> because we we normally have one good half, one bad half, don't we? And look, that was our bad half. We we hoped we were definitely better in the second half. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Uh, and we actually had a quite a bit of possession and carved out a couple of chances as well. Yeah, I mean, in particular, I think once there was a couple of substitutions made, in particular the when Barkley came on. Barkley came on for Osman? Yeah. Yeah, when Barkley came on for Osman, in particular, I thought that gave us a bit of a lift uh, and Barkley looked, looked up for it. Um, I, I don't think the substitution of Delafeu from Morales made the slightest bit of difference. I don't know, to, to be honest, I was looking, look, looking at... Uh, and he had that little run, didn't he, where he, he went past about four players in, in, in like a second and he tried a little dink over. People keep saying he had, they keep saying to me, oh, he looked classy at that run. I think he actually just touched the ball twice and just knocked it past through the middle of no, a couple of players. No, it was a nice, nice burst of pace, though, and he, he did more in five minutes than Morales did. Well, yeah, I suppose, but so, I still don't... I still think there's a definite question mark over his attitude and his application when it comes to Delafayne. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I I thought he showed he showed signs uh, signs there of of um, you know being able to carve open a little bit. I don't think I still don't think his decision making is the best, and that should hopefully come with time over the season. Which go back to what you said about you know Barkley coming on for Osman. Do you think that's put that little experiment to bed now? Well, I think as I said last week, it, it gives us options. Uh, Osman came back into the team and didn't do himself any favours whatsoever. So. You know, looking go looking at Crystal Palace at the weekend, I would definitely play Barkley ahead of probably Osman or Pina. Um, I've got I've got a feeling that there might be a little bit. Obviously, we'll come to the, the preview of Crystal Palace. I think maybe the likes of Pina and Morales. I think Delafeu might start against Palace. I've just got a well, feeling. I I think I think it's um, Osman is unfortunate if he loses his place because Pina and Morales didn't do any more the, yeah the three of them are poor but Osman was probably the least poor out of the three yeah. and you know we talked we talked a little bit at the game about um, Gareth Barry and he, he looked a little bit heavier than he normally does and a, a, a little bit I don't know he, he didn't look as influential as he normally is I thought yeah I mean but that Barry and McCarthy partnership that's been playing so well for us last few weeks uh, I think, in particular, as everyone did in the first half, they struggled. I thought McCarthy had a, a, a really good second half, to be fair. 
But yeah, McCarthy looked a uh, sorry, Barry looked a little bit. I don't know what the word is really, just a bit lethargic maybe, um, in the centre of the park. But I'm sure that was just a, a one week blip for him really. Well, I put out I put out on our um, Facebook that I thought McCarthy was man of the match, and there were a few people who agreed, but there was an awful lot of people who had something to say about that and said. Like you know, what what game were you watching? And uh, Jags Jags was better. Well, okay, fair enough. Jags had a decent game, but uh, there were actually people who said he was awful. Do you think these people watched the game? Well, I don't. I think I think both Jags and Distan had decent games. Do you think uh, Distan played well? I thought he had. I thought his distribution was shocking. I thought Jags and Distan both had, had decent games, but I thought, as I say, I don't think there was a single Everton player who played well in the first half. And I think out of all the second half performances, I thought McCarthy's was the best. I thought he did well in the second half. So, you know, it's a matter of opinions, isn't it? A man of the match is one of those ones where you're always going to get varying opinions, but I thought Macca did well for us, really. Yeah, I thought he did well. I mean, we made a couple of good blocks, a couple of good interceptions. You know, he put that cross in for the chance that um, Duncan McKenzie referred to where Lukaku... I thought you were going to say you put the cross in at Duncan McKenzie missed then. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, I don't remember that substitution. I thought yeah. it was Jelovic who came on that. Uh, that's Duncan McKenzie. Yeah. Um, when, oh, Jelovic came on uh, and he didn't really have a sniff, did he? No, um, he didn't do There was much. one opportunity where, you know, he, he, made, he made the same run three or four times and he kept going back and trying to make that run and he, he couldn't pick him out. And one in particular, he made a great run, pulled out wide with a diagonal run and Pienaar, Normally, he'd be the one you'd expect to find the ball where he, instead of playing it out wide, you know, play a little ball th- through the middle, um, split the defence, Jelovic to run onto and see what if, if he can re- you know, f- refine his goal scoring touch. And what did he, he just p- put it behind him? I just think that it, it was one of those games where I think they probably could have played for an extra 90 minutes and neither team would have scored, really. But. We didn't get 90 extra minutes, we got 9 extra minutes. We did get 9, and that was because of the Hugo Loris fiasco. Um, they had a lot of criticism, Tottenham, over that. Yeah, they? before we go on to that, let's just mention the referee who had a game where he would book players for things you shouldn't get booked for and just let people off who should get booked. Yeah, well, mainly Everton players would get the bookings and Tottenham players wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, Tim Howard appeared to get booked for saying... A throw-in should have gone the other way. Yeah. Kevin Morales seemed to get booked for complaining about a free kick. Possibly. Uh, and then there was a multitude of fouls and players getting pulled back by the shirt, uh, which seemed to go completely unpunished. Uh, and then, obviously, it all culminated in them deciding to book Lukaku for running in a straight line. Yeah, I mean, they've said it's dangerous play and I saw... Uh, there was a little piece uh, with AVB saying that he's disappointed that Lukaku hasn't been in touch with Loris to see if he's okay. Well, why would he? He spent nine minutes deciding he was okay on the pitch, didn't he? He was clearly okay. He played on. I mean, you know, I, I don't see what Lukaku could have done there. He, he had a right to go for the ball. He didn't, you know, stick his leg out to to, to get Loris. Loris decided to challenge him and go for it. And they just collided, and that happens in football. It was a nasty collision, and but as you say, there was no motion for, uh, by him, to, to, you know, trying to scoop the ball out or whatever. He ran in a straight, completely straight line, and 
um, and it, it just so happened to, to collide. Um, it was a bit of a daft book, and you could possibly see why something like that would be given. Yeah, but surely, it, if, it, 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 if the demon had to be intentional, then that should be a sending off, shouldn't it? Because it's, it's, it's yeah. dangerous play or, or violent conduct or however you want to look at it. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm surprised he got up at all, to be honest. Well, <laughs> about nine minutes. There is that. I mean, Pat, I sort of, at the time, I thought he was maybe putting it on a little bit because we were obviously having a line share of possession at the time and attacking the Tottenham goal. And I thought it was one of these, you know, let's let's just chill it out for a couple of minutes, try and break Everton's rhythm. Uh, and I thought he, he was putting it on and giving it the old wobbly legs, trying to pretend, but obviously clearly he wasn't. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just it, it's just people like Michael Dawson where he's like kind of remonstrating with the crowd and stuff like that. And, you know, it's not really going to work. The crowd are upset at Lukaku getting booked. That, that's what we were upset about because it was clearly a wrong decision by the referee. Yeah. And everyone could see that. So that was a wrong decision. There were another couple of incidents, one at each, uh, one for each team, sorry, both down the, the same end, both involving Coleman and Vertonghen. So there was one for Tottenham in the first half where there was a little bit of a uh, collision with Coleman and Vertonghen in, in our penalty area. And we joked around saying, just don't let Coleman near our penalty area because of the couple of penalties he's received, um, been on the wrong end of recently. And then he was. <laughs> and and we got, he got away with this one. Do you think it was a penalty? I think it probably... It was more of a penalty than what's been given to against him in the last two games. So... With saying that, down the other end, oh sorry, down the same end, but in the second half, uh, Coleman cuts inside, goes to take a swing at it with his left foot after cutting inside, and uh, his leg's not there anymore. <laughs> if that was Ashley Young, that's a penalty all day. Yeah. But the Everton way is, you know, and we've seen Baines do similar sorts of things when he's got into the box. I think we've seen Pienaar and Osman do it. We stay on our feet, and... Sometimes it probably backfires on us because Coleman was honest. Uh, I tried to stay on his feet, and it, to me it was a clear pen. But yeah. because you know of his honesty, uh, it hasn't been given. So, so he didn't give either one there. So you know they kind of cancel each other out, uh, and possibly is uh, most maybe one of his most talented contributions or lack of contributions is a, a nice little snide elbow from Soldado on uh, Jagielka, which he missed as well. All, all, all the official well, I missed that, so I can't. Oh, did uh, you? I can't criticise him for that one. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, it was just, just, just well measured uh, elbow and ribs. So, so all in all, a poor game. And uh, Kevin wasn't our friend. He wasn't our friend. No, so all in all, a poor game. We took a point away from it, which against Spurs, I suppose, is a decent result. Um, and we're still on a little bit of our, an unbeaten run at the moment and um, unfortunately we missed our chance to go second but we're currently one point off second I think that that was the danger uh, or sorry when you get sides challenging for the same kind of spot I think there's going to be a few games that end up that same kind of way It's tight at the top of the league now Yeah, so uh, one point off second or two points off second is it? One point off second One point off second and we're in seventh so um, hopefully you know we can do it on Saturday I would have thought so going into the Palace game Um, so we're going to have a bit of news now I think are we after uh, 
try and pick ourselves up after that Spurs debacle. Yeah, we're gonna go. We're gonna come back brighter with some news. Well, I said just before that that we're going to come back a little bit brighter with the news, but it's not very um, happy news today, really, is it? Well, it depends of what... Uh, the first story in particular, this might actually make some people's day. No, nah, well, I think it's a little bit harsh if it does make your day. Um, but, you know, the main breaking news is that uh, Kone is looks like he's going to be out for the whole season with a knee cartilage problem and it's going to have a, a, an op and which is going to sideline him. Yeah, apparently so. He's got a piece of something, be it bone or some material floating around in his knee which is causing damage to his cartilage uh, and that's probably what's put him back all season, I would have thought, and caused him problems all season uh, and that's going to have to be removed by uh, surgery. So... Uh, him and Gibbo will out for the rest of the season by the looks of it, early report. Do you think that's what made him miss that chance? Possibly, yeah. Do you think that's what made him play so poorly against Stevenage? Possibly, yeah. Do you feel a bit mean now? <laughs> no, he's rubbish. <laughs> I'm still standing by my first, uh, my first impressions. So, unfortunately, Kone looks like he's going to be out for the rest of the season. Um, Lukaku looks to have shaken off that knock after putting some peas on it, frozen peas on his uh, knee on Saturday night, uh, sorry, Sunday night after the game. Yeah, I mean, obviously when he ran into to Loris the other day, uh, obviously my first reaction to that was to, to catch Loris's head uh, yeah. in a Gladys and throw and, um, it back so we could put it back on his neck. Somebody in the Bollins Road picked up the rest of his body and threw that over as yeah, well. Yeah, so once, once we'd done that, my uh, initial thought then was obviously, you know, I hope Lukaku's okay because it, it was a heavy collision. Uh, and lo and behold, as we said in the, the, the review of the game, uh, he got substituted for Jelovic not too long afterwards. Uh, it was Lukaku himself who was signalling to the bench for the change, so it looked a bit ominous. Uh, he did miss a bit of training afterwards, uh, but it looks like he's back in full training and should be available for the Palace game at the weekend. Yeah, yesterday it looked like it was touch and go, and you know there was more hope than anything. But yesterday's, uh, sorry, today's returned to training, and looks like he might make it. Fortunately, um, and I believe you've got a little bit that you want to mention about Lukaku. Yeah, Lukaku's gave a, an interview in, in the media this this week, uh, last couple of days, uh, and he's been talking about his reasons behind coming to Everton on loan this season. Uh, basically, he said that you know Everton was his, the dream club for him to come to this season once once he found out that he, he was going to be leaving Chelsea and going out on loan. Um, he basically said that Everton was the stage he was looking for, playing in a team where my teammates are more experienced at international level and on the European scene. Uh, obviously, you know he sees it as a big step up from from West Brom last season. Uh, he went on then to say about to pass some comments on on, on Bobby M and said uh, Roberto Martinez is playing the Spanish style of football, football that I like. I find La Liga very interesting. So he's obviously touting himself out there for uh, a possible move to Barcelona or Real Madrid at the end of the season, uh, but also in, in the same breath, you know, complimenting Everton's style of play uh, and the fact that we do play it, you know, an expansive continental game. Uh, Lukaku went on, basically went on to say that uh, you know there were a lot of teams interested in him, 
going up to transfer deadline day. And that a lot of the teams were from Europe, not just from the Premier League. We know of a couple of the Premier League ones because managers have come out and said, haven't they? Pardew come, come out and said that he wanted them. And Villa were interested Villa as well. And Sam Allardyce has said that he wanted them as well. Uh, but I think he was told by Chelsea that he wouldn't be allowed to go abroad. Uh, and then upon hearing that, basically, he said, well, then there's only one club I want to go to, and, and that's Everton. Uh, and he, he then goes on to say that he spoke with Kevin Morales and... Uh, our mate Marouane Fellaini uh, in the Belgian camp and both players convinced them that Everton was the right place to be and both had very good things to say uh, obviously about the club um, so there you go there's Lukaku's reasons for coming to us yeah I mean it could be could be ball but it's nice to hear it isn't it and we all take it for what it you know it's, it's nice that he's all the signs he's showing all the signs that he wants to be here and it's he's not just you know, he's touting for the move to the league. Eh? Well, <laughs> he, 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 he sounds like he's enjoying his time here, and you know, he, he he wants to help the club do well as well. So, good. Um, another little bit of news. <laughs> this this where we get a little bit slow again here. <laughs> uh, Bobby M has come out and said that he's not interested in letting John Stones go out on loan. No, I, I mean, I agree. I think he's basically said that Stones is right on the verge of playing for the first team. You know, he's making the bench every week. So so why would you let him go out on loan? Why would you weaken your, your, sort of your matchday squad? I understand the likes of Garbutt going out on loan. You know, a short-term loan probably wouldn't even hurt the likes of Oviedo, who, who were only making the bench every now and then. You know, if, if, if a, a decent promotion-chasing promotion Championship club, for instance, asked for Oviedo for six or eight weeks. I probably wouldn't have too much of a problem with that as long as we could recall him. Um, but yeah, John Stones, he's on our bench every week. He's, he's first choice defensive cover, I think, of both right back and centre half. So, so yeah, it makes sense. At the time. moment, he's our first choice, you know, defensive substitute. Um, if we ever see Alcaraz, do you think that will change? If he if he's ever fit, who? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I'm starting to think now that we never actually signed Alcaraz. Uh, it was just, it's like an urban myth. Yeah. It's like the Yeti or the Loch Ness Monster. Well, yeah, it could well be. Um, well, I, I hope he, I hope he is fit soon, and I hope he's, uh, I hope he starts pushing Distan because I know you said you thought Distan did okay on Sunday. I, I think he needs someone pushing, someone breathing down his neck because he, he's, I don't think he's performing to the high standards that we're used to from him. Well, I don't think Stones is too far off that, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, again, Bobby M talking a bit of sense and and happy days if he doesn't let him go out on loan. I think, uh, you know, there wouldn't be any value in it at the moment. Um, This one was doing the rounds over the last couple of days. Obviously, we mentioned that McCarthy uh, picked up another booking at the weekend, which I thought was a really, really soft one. He just seemed to brush Vertonghen's arm and he went down like he'd been shot. Vertonghen um, did, not McCarthy. Uh, and one more booking at the weekend against Palace would see him miss uh, Mr. Derby the week after. Which I'm would... going to use a media cliche. He's on a suspension tightrope. Yeah. And we'll, it would, uh, that would deny us of what we've been wanting to see for a long time. And that's someone completely smash into Suarez, Sturridge and or Gerard. Yeah. If you're listening, Roberto Martinez, which you clearly are, 
do us a favour and leave McCarthy on the bench against Palace. I think we can get three points with Aaron and I don't want him to get booked. I want him to get his booking against Steven Gerrard and then he can miss the next game after the derby. Yeah. It would be good for him to take part in that match, uh, that match and start you know, inserting his presence into that fixture because he's going to be around for a long time. By presence, do you mean studs? Studs, yeah. Into Gerrard's thigh. Yeah, seriously though, I mean... Do you think there's a danger of him? You know, we're going to talk about the build, build up to the Palace game. Think I think he probably will play against Palace, and I think he will probably get booked. Possibly. No, I really. I, if something, there's always something like this that happens going into a derby. There, there's always something like this, and I think McCarthy's going to be. So going. that's one player who could be missing. And I'm going to segue now. Um, some, something you brought to my attention and I, I saw a little bit about it as this well. is the best news story of the week so far yeah, by the way so your, this is the good news section Uruguay I've got a two leg uh, World Cup qualifier against Jordan um, I don't get this I, I, I know Jordan's probably took 11 fellas on it once before but how has she managed to qualify for the World Cup qualifier because <laughs> she's got two two good what top no, anyway. Um, <laughs> so basically, she's easy to get in via the back of it. Though <laughs> <laughs> this could rattle on for a while, eh? um, just like she can. Two days, be- uh, two days after that, uh, after the second of those qualifiers, is that right? The second leg. Yeah, basically, I've seen two stories in regards to this. I've seen one story saying that Suarez is going to miss the Fulham game this weekend because Liverpool have to release him by FIFA rules five days before the international game, uh, and, and that will be prior to the, the, the Fulham game. And FIFA apparently have threatened Liverpool that if they do field him in the Premier League, he will actually be ineligible. Hold on. FIFA don't threaten Liverpool. Sorry, no. FIFA have told Liverpool that this is what they want them to do. However, if they do break the rules, they'll just completely ignore it like they always and do. Just change the rules to accommodate them? Probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah they'll probably award them the Champions League yeah. for, uh, if they play. So, uh, that's one set. So, he possibly may be missing the Fulham game. He then, obviously, it's a two-legged playoff against Jordan. So, they'll be having Jordan's two legs split apart. Um <laughs> <laughs> and the second leg is a couple of days prior to the, to the derby uh, and is play, getting played in Montevideo in Uruguay which apparently isn't the easiest place to get to Manchester from I don't think there's a bus that goes between the two of them uh, so it's, I think it's an 8,000 mile trip uh, and he's only got which takes 17 hours and he's only got two days to do it so uh, he possibly may not be in perfect condition for the derby shall we say well, it'd just be like them, though, and you know, we, I don't even want to think about it. Let's just leave that there because, yeah, I don't want to start thinking of dream scenarios only to have it rubbed in our faces. Yeah, no matter, you know, we can, it's a derby, so we can wish that Gerard's missing and Suarez is missing and Sturridge is missing, and then they'll probably turn up and they'll probably have a fully fit Suarez, Michael Owen, Robbie Fowler, and Ian Rush up front <laughs> and be allowed to play them all. Yeah. Um, okay, our final bit of news uh, was the Northwest Player of the Year awards last night, and it's all you know. He's going to win this. There was only there was there was one great player on Merseyside last year. Well, we all know it was Leighton Baines, so obviously he won it. Obviously, obviously that's what you'd think. Um, 
but that's not the case, is it? What? That's not the case. Um, uh, okay, it was the Northwest Player of the Year, so you know, Van Persie, Torre, Zabletta, one of them maybe from Manchester. No. They haven't, they haven't given it to Suarez. No. You won it then. You might need subtitles for this. Jamie Carragher. What? Sorry, is this is this pundit of the year? No, because he would have lost that to Gary Neville. Uh, Northwest Player of the Year. Northwest, not just Merseyside. Northwest Player of the Year. Northwest, not just uh, retired footballer come pundit of the year. Foot- Northwest Football of the Year, Jamie Carragher. Yeah, so I think... Was this a sympathy... This must have been a sympathy I think vote. I think it must have been, yeah. I think, it, you know, because... Yeah, it's got to be. I'm not, we're not, I'm, not even, I'm not just being funny with that as well. I, I, I think it is just like... It's, it's like Giggs getting Player of the Year, isn't it? When he, he wasn't beginning, was he? No, he wasn't. What I did find funny the other day was Duncan McKenzie telling us that Jamie Carragher's dad has now got his Everton season ticket back. Oh, well, we've seen a few pictures of Carragher, haven't we? Like uh, at Goodison and... You know, he's, he's starting to talk a lot more highly of Everton again, which is funny because you know the amount of red shades who are on uh, all over the TV again now, and Carrick is one of the ones who talks more highly of Everton, and it's—I'd like to say it's nice to say, but I don't really care. <laughs> I don't really care. No one wants to grow up and be a Jamie Carragher, do they? No. <laughs> and the other, the the only Everton player who made it was in in the ladies section. Uh, and the ladies. The ladies. Uh, Tony Duggan. Nice. Yeah. Nice choice. She gets my play of the year every week. Yeah. Um, so she she made she got the Northwest Play of the Year in the women's vote. Okay, and that is news. Are you sure we haven't got any more Jordan? No, no more Jordan. Double entendres no. we can throw in. You sure? No, but we have got we've got to come back with a really serious piece in a minute, so it might go a little bit sombre again. Yeah, obviously we're going to go and play a clip now, and when we come back, um, if you've got any young children listening, you may want to send them to bed because the next piece is a uh, listener discretion, Eddie, uh, and it is very serious. I'm Duncan McKenzie. I'm not bitter, just better. On tonight's Crime Watch, we go first to the disappearance of a man on Merseyside. Police, Merseyside police are currently investigating the disappearance and trying to find out the whereabouts of Apostolos Velios. Last seen many months ago, we go over to Detective Superintendent Johnny Seven with a description of the missing male. Yeah, he was last seen... At Goodison Park, making a telling contribution in a vital game in the top six between Everton and Tottenham Hotspur. Um, He stands at just over six foot, has spiky hair, sometimes he has shaved sides. He was last seen wearing a royal blue jersey with the number 27 on. And we are really, really worried about Apostolos and we'd like him to come back. We've seen many worrying cases on Crime Watch, and this is one that is 
I think, one of the most heinous and winning disappearances that's ever taken place on Merseyside. Uh, and just we just had a, a call in to the call centre, and apparently uh, one witness is describing Apostolos Velios's hairstyle as a mark-mark. Well, I think that might be a little bit unfair and misleading to the public. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway. Okay, we're back now. This isn't Crime Watch, however... We are getting a little bit worried about what's happened to Apostolos Velios. Uh, and we've put it out on the Facebook this week about, does anyone know where Velios is? No, we've joked about, about it a few times. And, you know, maybe he might get, once he returns from his disappearing act, he might get a chance now, Kone. <laughs> no, I don't think he will. But, but where is he? I know exactly where, where is he is. Where on earth is he? I am... Um, I did a little bit of Google and you know detective work. <laughs> not not really. You typed his name into yeah. Google. <laughs> well done, Colombo. And you know there was a piece uh, from one of the Everton forum sites and said about uh, you know the disappearing trio, disappearing act of um, Junior. Well, we know Junior's at. Vitesse. Well, he's a Vitesse Arnhem. We know that there. Maggie Gay, who was on the bench the other week. Yeah, so we know where he is. Um, but Velios. And even in that article, which was, where are these players? <laughs> it, it didn't answer. <laughs> it tell you. It's now, a, so he's always... He, he a couple up. of weeks ago, it went round on Twitter that he'd gone out on loan somewhere. Yeah. But we don't know where. Yeah. It's, I, I think he's some sort of secret agent. Yeah. Um, we've, we've, we've had, we had a couple of people on our Facebook say that, um, you know, he's, he's often at the fan zone before the game. What, just like getting a burger or and a hot dog or yeah. something? He's, uh, he's only played once for the under-21s so far this season. So, it really is puzzling. Is he... Somebody said that maybe he was knocking off Moise's daughter. So Yeah, but I've heard that's why Zahar isn't playing that's at Man United. T- you know, this is, again, this is another urban myth. It's like Alcaraz. That's why we haven't seen Alcaraz, because Alcaraz is knocking off Moise's daughter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, if anybody, if any of our listeners know where Velios is, please, please let us know. Velios, if you're listening, get in touch. It'd be nice to hear from you again. If he's been kidnapped and there's a ransom, we're more than willing to, you know, as long as it's not anything more than about £6, we're more than willing to stump up at least part of the ransom um, to have you back at our club. Because we miss you. Because, let's face it, I always liked a bit of Elias. Yeah, he was a good young player, bit of pace, good in the air, decent touch. And as I've said before, he always made some kind of talent contribution when he came on. And it seems like his progress has just been halted and he's just disappeared, literally. In all, all joking aside, though, we did contact Merseyside Police over this issue this week and uh, I managed to speak to a Merseyside police official and the Merseyside police spokesman uh, when asked about Velios said yeah he's boss him lad and right. that was it that was yeah. all he said good um, I think when I spoke to them as well because I, I also rang you know, trying to do me that's me, coincidental uh, trying to do me homework and they said they were too busy to look for Velios because they were looking for Jelovic's goal scoring boots as well because they've also gone missing Anyway. That was terrible, <laughs> terrible. <laughs> Time to move on from Elias, I think. But uh, 
I, I for one, you know, obviously Kone's out now, as we said. Uh, Jelovic isn't looking still <laughs> to, to uh, you know, promising. So I think it's time to, to give Belios uh, at least a, a little speck on the bench again, I think. This is the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast. If you haven't already, go and like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash EFC, Not Bitter, Just Better. Or you can find us on Twitter at Just Better EFC. Okay, I just wonder how many people will be lost with that little bit, little bit then. It's a crime watch bit. Yeah. It's not meant to lose people, it's meant to help find them. Yeah, well, um, so... It's about that time to look ahead to the weekend, and it's Crystal Palace away. Well, obviously, what we usually do at this point is we have a look at last season's fixture, uh, corresponding fixture, and see how we got on. So how did we do? Uh, well, it didn't happen. Uh, so I think we've had to go back quite a few years to find the last time we played Palace at Tellers Park. Yeah, we had to go back to 2004. Saturday the 24th of August Oh I remember it well I remember it well as well Well I do now I just read the match report on BBC Sport <laughs> And I still don't particularly remember it that well No I can't say I remember Graveson ever scoring twice in the game uh, It's made, made two and No sorry scored two and made one So if you had Graveson as your captain on Fancy Footy that day You'd have been, you'd have been well happy Yeah I doubt many people did so, I mean, more, more rememberable, memorable even. Rememberable. rememberable. That's not even a word. That is no word. Um, was the last time the teams actually met was at Goodison and we won 4-0. And memorable because I think we were chasing fourth, but also James Vaughan became the Premier League's and Everton's youngest ever goal scorer on that date. He did, he did, yeah. So, you know, that was the last time the teams met, but we're talking about uh, down at the Palace. Celeste Park, fixture. Yeah. I've got a very, very, very interesting fact about Crystal Palace. Oh, go on, I'm waiting for this. They're very, very interesting. They're the only team in the Football League to have a name that begins with five consonants. Five consonants? <laughs> five consonants. So the name begins with Europe, Asia, <laughs> Africa, yeah. America? Yeah. I don't get it. No, five consonants, no vowels. Ah, right, yeah. okay, I'm with you now. Interesting that, isn't it? It is, yeah. Anyway. It'd be good, wouldn't it be good to get on, like, countdown? If you just said vowel, vowel. No, that's wrong. If you just said consonant, consonant, and then crystal came out. Yeah. But you get told off because it'd be spelt wrong. Okay, go on. Um, yeah, so, I mean, if we really... I don't know, I don't want to give us the kiss of death, but you've got to be looking at this game and saying we... Well, the bottom of the league for the start. Yeah. So far, out of a possible 30 points, they've got three. They've won one, lost nine. You would expect there should be nothing more than three points. However, whenever you go into games like... you just I put this out on Facebook this week. If you go and underestimate a team like this, and we have our eyes on the derby, or we have our eyes on anything else, then there is the potential there to slip up. Do you think there's any chance they'll have a manager in place by then? No, I doubt it. No, I don't. I don't think so either. And, that, and that's you know that can work work one or two ways. You know, they have the caretaker manager who's fighting for his life, um, and fighting to possibly be considered for the role. Or you know, if they do get a manager in, then they've got you know you know the fresh blood. You know, and everybody's trying to impress. So 
you know, either way, that could work for or against. But we've really, we've really got to take three points there. Yeah, I mean, they were managerless last week against West Brom. Yeah. Uh, and, and they went down 2-0 uh, at the Hawthorns. Um, you know, and you have a look at the team that they put out and you have a look at the team that West Brom put out. Uh, and, you know, West Brom didn't have a particularly great side out. Uh, and then... And, and yet they're still getting beat 2-0 by them. And we've already played West Brom, who didn't particularly impress me. I thought they were disciplined, but, you know, you would have thought they're the type of team Palace have got to be looking to at least take a point from. Uh, and, and yet they still got beat. Um, and you have a look through the Palace side. I mean, they've got Marouan Schumacher up front. I mean, do we really need to... There's no way he should be scoring past us. And I know he's now going to score past us, because I've just said that. Yeah, because you've just said that. I always thought Bannon did all right at, at Villa. And, um, you he's, know, he's like a little dwarf, isn't he, though? Yeah, but I mean, he's always a busy player. I'm not saying he's going to set the world on fire. I'm just saying he looked all right. And, you know, he, he's gone there and, you know, he might be, he might stand out a little bit more there. I don't know. Well, I, I've really struggled this week to pick a, a Mark Max man to watch in this game uh, for Palace. Uh, just because I don't think they've really got any quality to speak of. Um, but I've actually gone for Jednak, who plays in central midfield for them. I think he's the club captain at the moment. I'm going to pick one. Really? Yeah. I'm going to pick a Mark Max one to watch. Go on then. <laughs> no, I think um, Sproni is one of going to be. It's one of those goalies who can like get the headlines because he's a little bit daft or whatever, and he's, he seems to have got a little bit more serious. He's lately. a bit of an 80s throwback, though. He's still got like a bowl head and tracky bottoms. What's that about? Yeah, he's got tracky bottoms anymore, has he? Yeah, he still wears tracky bottoms. Does he? Oh, that's mad. A um, bit like uh, who was that Chelsea goalkeeper though? He should wear tracky bottoms. Oh, I can't remember. Dimitri Kari. Oh yeah. Uh, there was the, the one who wore actual sweatpants, wasn't it? <laughs> Herali. <laughs> I think he played for Palace as well. Wait, am I getting mixed up with him? I'm sure Speroni wears tacky Sp- bottoms. Speroni used to have the uh, the ponytail. I don't think he has anymore. Um, he's been there forever, hasn't he, Speroni? Yeah, but I, I'd say, I mean, he's, he's, he can be a little bit daft, but I think, you know, hopefully from our point of view, we'll be putting the pressure on him. So I think he'll be one to watch because it'll all be down that end. <laughs> Well, my one to watch, Jed, and that can't be any worse than last week's one to watch, Ericsson, who played about seven minutes and hardly touched the ball. So, but yeah, you know, I can't see anything more than a comfortable win for the the Blues. Can you see many changes to the side? I think Osman's going to go drop back out for Barkley. I I said before I, I predicted last week the correct team. Actually, I said Barkley would be on the bench, and I think Osman will come in. I honestly do think Delafay is going to start this game. I think this is the type of game where he possibly sees he might be able to play a couple of players and rest some players going into the derby. I think it's more likely that if he does that, I think Naismith might come in for Pinar. I think delafay has got to be given a go at some point, and I, I, I don't agree with it because I don't like the lad. However, I think that's what may be what... I think he possibly may rest Morales. Rest him from what? Well, he, you know, he's, he's going to be playing for Belgium in the week, isn't he? Going before the derby for the friendly, so... Um, but yeah, I I predict LFA will start. Well, so I'm just touching on Palace a little bit, um, and they went down in my estimation a lot. And I think their fans probably, you know, they just lost hope when we. I think we we were on our way to City or on our way back from City when this quote came out. What Ian Holloway said uh, when they were playing at Anfield, and something about you'll never walk alone being his dad's favourite song and his dad might have passed away or you know so he'd said that he'd 
go there and take a 10-0 hammering just to be able to hear the cop sing that song. I don't think you can criticise Crystal Palace for that because that's Ian Holloway. No, and no. Let's sorry. face it, two weeks after that, he left the club because he bottled a relegation fight and he said he didn't have the heart to do it. So uh, I used to quite like Ian Holloway, yeah. but now I just think he's, you know, he's a bit of a shithouse. That, for any, you know, imagine, imagine you know, Martinez had come out and, you know, we'd gone down to um, Arsenal or somewhere um, or gone to Chelsea and we, we'd spent our we money... We wanted to listen to Madness because it was our dad's favourite song. You know, we've we, we gone to West Ham and we, say, and we said, oh, we'd take a 10 nil hammer and just to hear them sing, you'll never blow... Uh, you'll, forever, <laughs> you'll never blow no, bubbles. <laughs> forever, forever blowing bubbles. Um, you know, you, you would have thought, well, thanks for that, couldn't you have told us that before we... we it, uh, was, it was a shocking comment and a, a stupid thing to say and... I'd actually give anything not to hear that song ever again because yeah, it's a I'm, horrible funeral dirge and I hate it. I, 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 I just count my blessings that we've got a remote control with a mute button because every time it comes on, mute gets it. How do we get on to a tough hot Liverpool from a Crystal Palace preview? No, well, it's just I mean, it's Holloway. I mean, and I, I, I can't see how, how, you, how, as a struggling team, you can recover from something like that. It's like, you know, you're already getting whipped and then... Yeah, I think they already hold no aspirations of staying up. Um, so but any aspirations that they had were just there, done. When some when a man their own manager comes out and says something like that, I I, I just think it just you know I think they might not even, might as well not even turn up to the game. True. So the, the, the fans, I mean, not necessarily the team. So are you going to predict an Everton win then? Uh, no, <laughs> no, I'm going to hope, hope for it. And I'm going to stick, predict an Everton win. I'm, I'm going to say it's got to be. It's got to be, hasn't it? It's I'm going to predict an Everton win, and I'm going to predict two now. Good. Okay. I, like I don't think we'll go down there and hammer them because I think we may have a few changes, as I've said. But I think we'll win fairly comfortably. I think it'll be two now. Okay, so we'll leave Palace there, and hopefully this time next week we will be discussing Everton in second place going into the derby. Maybe that's if a lot of fixtures go our way. Results, I mean. Mm, possibly. Could still happen. Could happen. Here's Gravison. Bit of luck for Everton. Gravison again. Oh, tremendous! The Crystal Palace defenders stood off Thomas Gravison, allowed him the time to look up and pick his spot. And Spironi had no chance, and Everton take the lead. Okay, so it's that time once again. We're coming towards the end of the show, and as we always do, it's time for the not bitter, just better Everton Hall of Fame. And we've got a strange choice, possibly, this week. Possibly a strange choice. Um, You know, as we've said on numerous occasions before, it's our Hall of Fame, so we get to pick whoever we want. And this particular individual is someone who probably wouldn't instantly spring to mind to be in a purest Everton Hall of Fame. However, he was someone who we used to love to watch and was a favourite of ours. Yeah, he was a favourite and he was a real character. He was a real character and he's already been mentioned on today's podcast. Yeah, so it seemed fitting that he should go into today's Hall of Fame. And, you know, last couple of weeks we've chose easy ones, you know, Pat Van Den and Trevor Stephen from our greatest ever team. And so we thought we'd have to go somewhere a little bit different. And that's what we've done. It is. So uh, after his great performance, uh, the last time we played at Sellers Park, uh, this week it's none other than Tommy Gravison. 
Thomas Gravison. Tommy Gravison. Um, he didn't have a middle name, so I'm not even going to bother asking you. I would have been guessing that a long time then, wouldn't I? You probably you would have come up with some cracking Danish names like Jesper or something. Morton. Or <laughs> Morton would have been a good shout. Uh, yeah, so I stated I'm going to struggle with some pronunciations here. So if there's any Danish people listening, again, highly unlikely. If I don't give it the right Danish slant, I do apologise. Uh, he was born, Tommy Gravison, in Veggie, Denmark, or Veggie, maybe, maybe, maybe he's vegetarian, uh, on the 11th of March, 1976. Now, I looked at that and thought, that only makes him 37 now. I thought he was a little bit older than that. Because he's bald. Probably. <laughs> he's actually only about two years old. He's two years older than me. Yeah. Um, so, uh, he started his career, his youth career at, here we go, Veggie Bold Club. Now, Johnny, no, Johnny's got some information about Veggie Bold Club for us. Yeah, the nickname is actually the Veggie Boulders. <laughs> really? Yeah. Right, okay. We're making this up. Uh, and I've got an interesting fact about Veggie Bold Club. It was actually the club where Tommy Gravison started. <laughs> right, okay. There you go. Uh, and that, that's what they're famous for, obviously. Uh, he played at Veggie. Uh, between 95 and 97, making 58 appearances, before uh, obviously turning his back on his vegetarian roots and signing for Hamburger SV. <laughs> nice, like we did there. <laughs> so that was, it was good, that, wasn't it? Uh, Hamburger SV is obviously Hamburg in Germany, uh, where he played for three years between 97 and 2000. Uh, he was obviously spotted at the time by, by Everton, uh, and in 2000, he signed for the Blues uh, and started and started an, an instant love affair with the Everton crowd, would you say? Yeah, he was a fan favourite for the majority of his time there, yeah? He was, yeah. Uh, and how much did he sign for, can you remember? 2.6 million. It was about that. I'm racking my brains trying to think. And... I haven't been able to find it in research because for some reason it's like a, a void yeah. uh, where it goes. But yeah, I thought it was about I thought it was about two point two million. I, I'm I'm sure. Didn't we sign? No, it can't. It can't have been Nayarko at the same kind of time, can it? I don't think it was at the same time. Anyway, we digress. However, um, as we say, he played a key role in in Everton, sort of becoming. A decent club under Moyes, didn't he? And, and turning it round for, for a bit of form. Uh, and obviously in 2004, 2005, uh, he, had, he had a great season for the Blues, really. Um, and unfortunately, though, after uh, probably not as long as we would have wanted him to be at Everton, uh, he made 141 appearances between 2000 and 2004, uh, scoring 11 goals. Um, he then went on to sign for some small club in Europe. Didn't he? And, and, and broke all our hearts. Yeah, it was a funny one, wasn't it? Because when he, when him and Carsley were that, you know, um, you know, formed a good partnership and they were both baldy, and there was the stories at the time that Real Madrid signed the wrong baldy because <laughs> the Carsley really stepped up and you know became such an influential player for us. And Gravison went on and uh, wasn't so much of a success at Madrid, really, was he? Uh, no, no. We, that's, it's fair to say he wasn't a great success. 
Uh, he was more of a squad player, wasn't he? Was at the he? time, you know, at the time was uh, Rubinho was there, Beckham was there, obviously Raul. There was still a lot of like sort of the Glasgow signs. So he, about he was part of it. So Thomas Gavison. Yeah. And uh, it was it was a weird sort of situation, wasn't it? Because when he left, it was like everybody really. Th- wished him well and I thought it was yeah, a great well, achievement for him and I, I can't ever remember somebody leaving and being so well thought of and really everyone being happy for him making a move really yeah well I mean, you can't begrudge someone a move to Real Madrid can you exactly I think the majority of Blues I've got a similar kind of feeling and sentiment towards Arteta I think yeah, I would agree that. to that. Yeah. I would agree. I mean, also, I think you you can't really show it as much because he oh, plays in the league and course. he plays against us twice a season. Of course, but you you know you, you see you see Arteta captain and Arsenal now, and especially Ar- when it was against Liverpool last weekend. Oh yeah, 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 storm yeah. completely completely gets our back and then. Um, but you you see him captain and Arsenal and doing well, and you think, oh, you know, that's our Mickey and he's doing all right. And you know, if Gravison was went would have went on to lift up the European Cup with. Um, or the Champions League, sorry, with Madrid, you would have been you would have been happy, wouldn't you? Of course, you would. So I mean, he went over to Real Madrid. He spent two years out in Real Madrid. Uh, as we say, never really became a regular by any stretch of the imagination. But you know, had a, had a good time over there. Uh, and then he went. Following that, he moved on to to Celtic. Uh, I made was at Celtic for a couple of seasons, making twenty two appearances uh, before he came home. Should we say? Yeah, how many? He kind of made many appearances when he came back. At Everton? Yeah. He only made eight appearances when he came back. Uh, the first of which, if I remember correctly, uh, he came on a season-long loan, uh, and he came on as a substitute in a 2-1 win at Bolton. Yeah. I don't know if you remember, recall that at all. Uh, and then, you know, he, he, I say, he only made a half... A half you know, a handful of appearances during that season. Uh, he played in a three-one victory over Larissa Goodison Park. Yeah. You know, in the uh, UEFA Cup, uh, and that was it. Really, I mean, it, it sort of dwindled away, didn't it? That season, we all expected big things, and he, he didn't come back the same the same player that he had faced. No, say. I I think you know we we can our, our views on him were a little bit kind of. I mean, a lot. Oh, sorry, a lot of Everton fans kind of were a little bit down on him. That's why I said it might be a little bit of a controversial choice because um, you know Heiting is a, a similar sort of figure in the club now, where he, you know he does all the fist bumping and you're like, yeah, getting the, uh, the, the the fans behind him and stuff like that. But sometimes you question the players' commitment to the club. You know, it's all right kissing the badge and doing all that kind of stuff. But if there's a 50-50 ball, you need to win that 50-50 ball, don't you? And uh, sometimes... I'd, if, I'd put money on Gravison winning it more than Heiting get every single well, time. Well, yeah, I would too. Um, and it was whether, you know, whether it was genuine. You know, I think that's what the worry was. And, you know, a few people accused him of running around like a headless chicken. That was yeah. his biggest criticism. There's two, there's two schools of thought on him, isn't it? There's, you know... Everton, the cult hero, hard tackling legend, and the other one is you know, badge kissing, fist waving cheerleader, basically. Yeah, yeah cheerleader. Yeah, they're, they're the two trains. But I definitely fall into the cult hero 
bracket, I would have thought, you know, I, I thought he was a great player for us. Uh, and he was also a great player for the Danish national team, uh, making 66 appearances between 1998 and 2006 uh, and, and scoring five goals for Denmark. So, I mean, yeah, as we say, it's our Hall of Fame. We can choose whoever we want to, to go in. And It's a mad stat, though, that you, you've just uh, told me that he retired at the age of 32. I'm 34. I haven't, I haven't even started my professional career yet. That's mad, that, isn't it? Well, there you go, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and you've still got time, Johnny. I've still got time, yeah. So, But, yeah, yeah, it's our Hall of Fame. And, you know, he's, he's one of those players who he... In difficult times when, when he signed, obviously times got better and he was part of that. So, And he, he, made, he made a big contribution to turning the club around from the dark days of the late 90s and you know, the mid to late 90s uh, into where we are a comfortable club who wins and draws more than we lose. And you know that's not the way it was in the in the nineties. And you know, kids today, if any, you know, people under a certain age are kind of spoiled. On that, you know, so yeah, it takes me back to a memory as well of you know our Tuesday night football down at the pit. Do you remember when I bought a, a black Real Madrid shirt with Gravison on the back? Yeah, I do. Quality. That, yeah, that was um, was that what, what when. You started jinxing players. I think it probably was, yeah. <laughs> I think you, not long after that, you got a, a Billy T-shirt. I had a shirt with Billy on the back. I had a shirt with Janola on the back. Uh, yeah, I haven't had the oh. best choice in shirts, really. You got a Donovan one, though, didn't you? I had a Landon Donovan shirt, I did, yeah. Did you get a Heitinger Where's he one? Now? I did get a Heitinger one, yeah. yeah. Oh. This makes you sound like a little five-year-old who runs around with loads of players' names on the back shirt. <laughs> well, but, yeah, that would be correct. Did you get a Kone one? Uh, <laughs> I ordered one actually the other day from Everton, Everton Direct, yeah. Anyway, so that's it, yeah. So we're putting Tommy Gravison in our Hall of Fame. Yeah. And if you've got a problem with it, it's tough. But what you can do is tell us who you want in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that'd be good to hear your suggestions. Because obviously, you know, we're at a certain age. Um, so we have memories. You know, we put some 60s legends in there. We put a couple of the 80s ones in. And funnily enough, we said last week that we didn't have a real... Nutter in, in our Hall of Fame. We've got two now. Now we've got two. Pat oh, Van Den and Tommy Gravison. So it's a welcome addition. Get in there, Tommy son. And next week we might put Marcus Bent or Jermaine Beckford in. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no. no, we're not going to, no. Don't, don't, we, we haven't gone that far, don't worry. Um, so that's it for this week's podcast. Another one, in the, another one in the box. Another one wrapped up. And I've just noticed, this week is it's podcast number 16. What was Tommy Gravison's number for the majority of this time? Oh, I don't, lad. You're freaking me out now, don't Number 16, purely coincidental. Purely. That's scaring me now. Scaring me. Yeah, well, anyway, as Mark said, that's it. And I, I've just had word from at the back. We've had 16 calls on the... 16? 16 calls on the Velios uh, missing person appeal, apparently. Right, okay. All 16, though, I've got them mistaken for Kevin Morales at the moment, so we are struggling. You do need to, to differentiate between the two players. Yeah. Okay, um, yeah. So anyone going down to the game, hope you have a safe journey, and I hope you come back having a nice little song, sing song on the bus because that'll mean we have got three points and we are possibly up to second. So let's have that, and we're going to leave it there. So just want to say thanks as always for listening, and if you're listening on SoundCloud, then you can subscribe on iTunes or you can listen on Stitcher, which is an app for Android and Apple devices, and yeah. 
And just a prior warning, obviously, our next episode is the pre-Derby episode. So it's possibly going to be very bitter. We might rename us next week to uh, very bitter and better. Uh, So just be warned, there might be quite a bit of swearing next week. So keep your kids away when they're going to listen.